Welcome back to another episode of C Student Theology, where we try to make Christianity accessible to the average person. My name is CJ Pierce, and I am actually joined today with my guest, Coom, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself and kind of tell us some of his backstory, but I do think you're going to enjoy our conversation as we go forward. So, Coom, go ahead and take it away. I feel privileged to be here in the podcast. My name is Coom Delahousel. I'm from India, and right now I stay in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, currently working with the CCAMD. Finished my Master of Theological Studies in Chicago and moved down to Louisville for my Master of Theology in Philosophy, Worldview, and Politics in Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Then KBC came in campus and talked talk about why you guys don't need to be here in campus for June with the comfort zone. That's what thing that really motivated me to to step out of this academy. Academy means like the seminary out of the seminary. Yeah. To experience what am I learning is really applicable. Yeah. It's just a theory. So and at the same time, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Candy Nyangwai. She's the one who motivated me to come out of this academic set, setting for a while. Like okay. She pushed me saying, Yeah, you learn a lot. So why don't you apply right now? What you learn is that really applicable or just go out and apply some job that you will be able to know this competitive world like she's coming from a business world so yeah no i i get that so bethany does the same thing to me my wife she'll she can see the areas that i'm missing uh-huh. right and she'll she'll push me right to to grow in those areas so i totally understand that so you so how did you uh end up finding christianity uh, how did the Lord save you? What does that look like? At what age and how did he do that? Uh, about that. We've been Christianity for more than a hundred years now. Uh, I think it will be right to say that I'm the third generation Christian. Okay. My grandparents were Christian, then after them, my mom, wow. then me. But it's individual, so we, we, we make our own choices. Yeah. Not just that it's a traditional Christian, like just your family become Christian, that's why you become Christian. It's, it's not the thing. Um, how I'm, I'm, I'm converted is i think at the time i was 13 13 years of age if i'm not wrong and uh, we have a summer game and the preacher was preaching about sin then why why we need to repent why why we need forgiveness all the kind of stuff when my friends were having this confession about the sin they were talking about like they were doing some some what we call like drugs or maybe some kind okay. of different kind of intoxicated things sure and at the time, I'm really, I have never been to this kind of stuff. Like I don't smoke. I don't. In India, what we call chewing fun is like a typical product. Okay. This kind of thing, I don't do anything. I'm very clean. My relation with my parents is good. I don't disturb them. Okay. So, <laughs> disturb them. I like that. <laughs> uh, I kind of like that. The the kind of the mama's boy. Yeah. Sure. So then, when my friends were repenting all this kind of stuff, then for me, I don't really have that that will set you with tears to repent for okay and I, I, I was asking myself a question like what does repentance really mean yeah um and when i had that kind of question the next day when he was preaching about he was preaching about the separation of, from god our, our separation from god it doesn't mean whether you repent or not but still you're a sinner means you're separated from god right yep so that separation when i look at it in terms like I never want to be separated from my parents. I never want to be separated from someone that I love. And I never want to be separated, especially from God, especially the eternal life. Yeah. So that's where it moved me saying that the only way I can be connected to God is through Christ. And, and I, yeah, I do need to confess I'm a sinner and I do repent of my sin that maybe uh, there's a lot of sin that we know and we don't know that we committed. 
So that's where I confess my sin and I repent that and accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that's the turning point of my life. But the total turning point of my life is a different story. Yeah. If, if you want me to continue so I can keep on going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so let me stop you. Let me ask one question before you keep going. So you, how old were you when you believe you were converted? I think I may be around 13 or 14. Okay. I, I'm still in Sunday school, so. Okay, got it. So like the Lord is kind of working on your heart and mind before that day, uh -huh. kind of warming you up to those questions. And then the preacher, right, kind of hits home for you and answers some of that. Um, then you you give your life to Christ, you place your faith in him. Um, in the in the area that you grew up in, is that um, is that a popular thing to do? Or is there is there a risk that comes along with that? Is there persecution? Um, or is it just kind of, is it culturally acceptable at that time? Zorphically speaking, we live in a Hindu-dominated state. Okay. But the place where I grew up in the district is uh, maybe 90% Christian. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, so we don't have that kind of thing. Okay. But the, the most difficult part, once you become a Christian, then you will be everywhere look like, did you really look like a Christian? Oh, okay. Act out like a Christian. So it's more like, if you confess your faith, then you need to live it out. Okay, it's more like they they wanted to be genuine. So there's an a greater expectation on you yes. at yeah. that point. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Okay, interesting. Okay, so you're converted, and then you said there was a but there was another point in your life. There was like a turning point. Yeah. What? Tell me about that. Uh, I need to be, I I need to put it this way, like saying that when my mom get pregnant, she get pregnant before she before she get married. Mm -hmm. We live in the same and owner culture, so. Once you bring in shame to your family, it's not a shame just happened to you, it's the whole family. So when my mom got pregnant, we live in a Christian culture at the same time, but that's kind of a shame in other culture. Then our my my grandparents were were having a lot of issues, like what should they decide? Like, should abortion be the only way to, 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 to run away from the shame so that she can become a new girl again, so, so, so that she can get married to another guy? Okay. Since my biological father, he don't want to accept me. Then we have this family council. The family council come together and they kind of decide saying that maybe a person may be the right thing for her. Since, since at this moment they were deciding the kind of the decisions, but my grandma is does she come from a place where our Christianity first spread into what we call uh, San Juan is the name of a. A village okay where first Christian came came for us okay so she was brought up there okay so even though she cannot read and write but she really know the gospel in one way she's very very genuine with what she believed yeah and she stood up and said no we cannot do that because everything that is happening in the womb is under God plan we may not know whether a boy or a girl but still nothing this is, this is something that we we cannot do as a human there, there, there must be something behind God God is doing Sure. I think right now may be wrong. Right. Then she stood up and requested not to do it. Then my grandfather stayed along with her and they decided to kill me. So, and at the time, uh, culturally speaking, my biological father, when they hear about the news, all this kind of stuff, they came in a way what they call tea. Tea. And that is a traditional like they will they'll, they'll bring tea and they'll pour the tea and we'll drink, we'll have a conversation. Okay. But my grandma was very strong with her conviction saying, no, we don't have the right to claim whether. If it is a boy or a girl, every child that come out from her, I will adopt it. Okay. I will adopt it, and you don't have the right to claim it. That's clear. Final, wow. Final decision. So she, she was very strong in saying that. And then when when I came into this world, I was born in Arkitan. Okay. So my grandma didn't 
didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> That's what she told me. Like she left, she lift me up with her hand. Yeah. And just praying, saying this word, God. This boy born into this world without a father right now, but I want you to be his father and take care of him. So he she just dedicated. Yeah. And praise God for your <laughs> grandma, man. So as I was growing up, I grew up in a very broken family. Yeah. Because of uh, her, my mom, uh, her depression, because she's going through all this kind of stuff. So now she went into drugs. And okay. one of my uncles, he's an alcoholic. Then every time when he get drunk, he'll call me saying that your adopted son move away from this house. Mm. So I need to be away from the house from maybe when he get drunk, maybe around 10 or 11 p.m. at night. Then I need to come back when he's, when he's asleep around maybe 2 a.m. So that. So you had you grew up trying to avoid him. Yeah. Okay. Not only avoid him, like it's like in our culture, you don't have the right to speak to your uncle. Okay. Like even though if you get angry. Yeah. He, like. There's kind of a belief that if you say bad words or if you did something wrong with your uncle, there might be a curse that they oh, wow. on to you. Okay. That's what they don't really want to happen to me. So right. I just need to avoid it. Instead of if you if I'm too angry, then the best way is to get away from what makes you angry. So Okay. Then then I was depressed. I don't know which way to go, which way to uh, And how old are you at this point? At that point I'll be uh, maybe this thing started at a very young age okay maybe around nine okay it kept on going then it was in the year 2008 that I, uh 2008 that i could no longer handle it i say it's it is better for me to die young than to live all with this kind of depression wow i tried to commit suicide wow man that's horrible for <laughs> i mean a kid you know to be at that point yeah like man yeah so in the year 2008 then when i was staying at home i keep on Listening, listening to the voice inside my head, like, what's the point of being alive in this kind of environment? Oh wow! When you grow, when you go out, there is, the people look you down because of the kind of background that you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Then I took a plastic chair, then tied the rope on the beam, and put the put the rope around my neck, try to jump down from the plastic chair, try to end up my life. Wow! And I used to hear people saying about uh, people who commit suicide when go to heaven. But at that point, my mind was just answering this thought, saying that I don't care about who go to heaven, who go to hell. The only thing that I care about is who will take away this pain and suffering that I'm the moment that I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So I, the, the moment when I close my eyes will be the moment that I'll find joy. That's the only thought that it keep on cycling around. Yeah. Then when I was about to jump down, there's a voice inside my head speaking to me saying this word. I'm very surprised it doesn't speak in my language, it's speaking English. <laughs> Did you know English at that time? Yeah. Okay. Because we were brought up in an English medium of education. Okay. So, okay. So it's it's say the Kumbiaklan. Are you who brought you this far? Kumbiaklan, who brought you this far? Wow. Then I was surprised like. But if God exists, then it should be him. But that's not the thing that I'm going to right now. I wanted to answer these three questions, then I wanted to respond. If not, I don't have any reason to leave. Yeah. One, I've been praying for a father for a dad. Then why don't you give me a dad? From a very young age. Yeah. And number two was every night I pray, every morning I pray to take away my pain, suffering. Then everything is the same. The the moment when I wake up in the morning, the, the problems, the pain, the suffering is still the same. Then, then do you really care? Do you really love 
in the talk was every time when I won, let's say every time when I won a girl and let's say uh, when I'm in love, why that girl always meant for someone else? Mm. Like they look at their background and uh, I don't see any future with the guy, so they need to move to a one who is richer with a wood background. Yeah. So I'm very confused. Then I wanted to answer these three questions was my point. And I waited maybe around 10 to 15 seconds, I didn't respond then. I look up to the sky and say, yeah, I, I think you exist, but I, I don't think you really care. Yeah. So when, when I try to jump for the second time, when I try to jump for the second time, there was a voice inside my saying this in English again. Humbel, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to die as a loser or are you going to die as a champion? That's broke my heart. Wow. And it break me down. Then I, I cry. Yeah. I cry. Then I take I took down the rope and kneel down on my knee and I pray saying this word. If I live, I'm gonna live for you. And if I die, I'm gonna die for you. That's the day that I totally dedicated my dedicated my life for Christ. Like whatever I do, sometimes they call me too radical, but I don't care because that day was so so unique. Yeah. So authentic for me that the, the day that that experience was so real. Yeah. So, I mean, it, honestly, parts of it remind me of like Paul's conversion experience. You know, like the Damascus Road. Uh, man, that is that is crazy. I'm, you know, listening to it. It's uh, it's, it's difficult to listen to. You know, because I so I was in youth ministry. Like I said, like the last five years or so, and you know, thinking about a young person being in that place, right? And you said like there's you even talked about like there's voices. Um, you know, telling you to do this and, and pushing you towards it. Like, I really believe that, you know, the enemy is very active, that there's demonic stuff that's happening mm -hmm. and that he would love nothing more than to see a young person destroy themselves. Right. And then to have God step in and, and just pull you out of that pit, man. Uh, it reminds me, some of the things you said, like, remind me, we're going through the Psalms on Sunday morning and uh, there's Psalms in there where he says basically exactly what you were saying, you know, like, where are you, God? You know, I know you, I know you exist, but where are you? Cause I don't feel like you're here right now. Uh -huh. You know, oh, how long, how much longer am I going to have to deal with these things? And then, man, you had this experience, like God answered those questions for you. And so go ahead. What happened? What happened next? Then this is hungering me to, 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 to dig deeper into the word of God, like to, to read the Bible. Then I, I think I started wrongly because I started with Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Then I started ending saying to myself, I think the Bible is all the same, like in <laughs> story. Yeah. Then when I finish uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then I move. Let's say, let me move back to the Old Testament. So when I move back to the Old Testament, when I read Genesis, so I kind of uh, see difference with the genre. Then there, there is inside me that keep on pushing me that I won't be satisfied without doing something with a God, like to, to serve Him or to do ministry with, for Him. But I'm still confused because sometimes when humans, when we go to depression, there is something in us that pushes us, but it may not be the right desire because you're too desperate, maybe. Yeah. So that's the thing that I'm scared for, uh, scared about. So it was in the year uh, maybe 2010 and 11, that between that year, then I decided to go to the prayer mountain. It is one maybe one and a half miles away from our home. There is a mountain where we used to go for prayer. Then I pray for uh, maybe, I think exactly one, one year, every Sunday morning, I, I went there pray, and I have this question, 
if you really want me to serve you like a, like a ministry or call to be in the ministry, increase the zeal and the passion about you. But if that is just a feeling within me because of my desperation, then mm. increase it. But the more I pray, the hunger keep on increasing, but I'm still not satisfied enough. What happened was, it was in the year 2012, that when our church is having uh, this kind of what we call elected for the Sunday school teacher. Yeah. They, they appointed me to be a Sunday school teacher. And I was really surprised because I don't even know much about the scripture. Then they invited me. Then I kind of hesitated, but I think this is a good privilege to serve one another God. So I accept and I serve. Then when, when I prepare for the class, I have more questions than them. Looking, looking at the lesson that that's hilarious later, yeah that, what do you guys think about this <laughs> like so maybe i'm not i'm not saying uh all of the sunday school teachers some of the sunday school teachers may just read the book the the lesson book on saturday night and they can just this on sunday morning but for me it needs to be at least two to four days because i just want to know what is i just don't want to read one verse and and teach what is this verse really about yeah like and like i have a lot of question about the old testament why did like the the origin of man all of that stuff yeah like if evolution is true then there must be some maybe that that Cain and Abel when they were run away from each other when he killed his brother he ran away and married someone there maybe there was one evolution theory that passing on down maybe god created someone here maybe there's evolution theory there there's that's the reason why then when i try to Think in that way, then it contradicts again my Christian worldview. So right, okay, I have a lot of questions. Then, then on good the, questions. Yeah, a lot of good questions. Yeah. And on the same year, I, uh, on the same year, I was elected to be a youth committee member again. Okay. So then I keep on praying, but the zeal and the patience to serve him keep on increasing. Then that's that's the day that I decide that I think I've been called to be to to be in the ministry. So in 2012, I decided to to study theology, Master of Divinity in in a hometown. Then that's that's my uh, theological journey. Then when I finished my Master of, uh, uh, Master of Divinity, then I I serve uh, the church, not like you you did, like as a volunteer work, like an evangelist. And when I look at the system that we are going through, mm -hmm. we we did just the kids one hour a week, yeah, Sunday school. I don't think that's enough. No. So I decided I decided to move into school. So I volunteered to be a, to be a moral educator. If I say, uh, like Christian education, because of the policy, the Indian policy that you are not allowed to teach your faith. Oh, okay. In education setting. Okay. I just say moral education, but I usually give them uh, different kind of moral uh, options. I'll say options like this is what I believe, and this is what they believe. And this is what we have been uh, deciding how how we decided about our life. Yeah. But the reason why I, did, I believe this one is true for me, so I just give them options. Yeah. Right. But that's that's how I did. Uh, you're you're teaching them how to think. Yeah. In one and, way. And, and how to think through things. Yeah. Yeah. So then, something inside of me keep on saying that I think I need to go further education because I think my knowledge is not enough because li living in one context, one environment, but Christianity is not just in one context in one environment yeah so at the time i, I even volunteered for uh, like campus ministry so the more conversation that i have with kids or let's say teenagers or maybe young adults the question is tough tougher and tougher and it's hard to answer it yeah it's, it's like 
you think you you respond to their question, but they think you are seeing another thing because you, you don't really relate to them. Yeah. So in the year two, uh, 2000, I think it was in the year 2017, I applied for Baila. Okay. <laughs> because I, I wanted to study Christian politics. Yeah. So I, I applied Baila, then I was accepted. But the thing is, it's too expensive. Okay. They told me that in order to be here to for my visas, it's a lot a huge huge amount of money. So they they told me that why don't you fundraise yourself, fundraise yourself, and I and I told them that in order to fundraise myself is like one year that I'm gonna spend in the United States is like me earning ten to fifteen years here in India. Oh my goodness! So there's no way to do right, it. Right, that's unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. So they told me we will wait another semester. And then they they wait they waited me almost one and a half year, but there's no way. Then it was in the year two thousand eighteen. Uh, there one guy from Chicago. He he came. We we are in the same locality, so he came back from United States to India to apply his Arman visa. Okay. That is a religious visa. So when I hear about his news, though, I just rushed to him and met him. Then how do you guys land it in the United States? I want to know. Yeah. The process. Right. I want to know maybe what trick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he told me that, that uh, he landed because he didn't start, and, but the same process, but they got a scholarship. Oh, scholarship matter. Okay. So then he told me that you're applying in California, and now, now but I'm in Chicago, I won't be able to help you out. But if you would want to apply any seminary in Chicago, maybe you can stay in our home. Okay. He does. Okay. So that you can work. To, for your own tuition fee, but house you can stay in the house for free. Right. So that's what he's offered. That's a good friend. <laughs> yeah. So then I apply in in Chicago. Then when I apply in Chicago, it is a PC USA theological seminary. Okay. And many were surprised, like why didn't he go from there to here? Yeah. But the only thing was, I want to get, be educated. Right. I want to come to United States because I want to learn more. And surprisingly, they give me full scholarship with stipend. So I stayed in their home for uh, two years, staying in the common room, in the couch, sleeping there for two years, and finished my master of theological studies. And uh, my desire and my will and is always to study Christian politics. So I moved down to Lutheran Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Okay. And my my thesis was awarded, and they told me that if you want to go for further studies, we'll pay for your tuition fee. So then, yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. So yeah, I moved down to Louisville and. And my longing is always to study in Southern Baptist Legal Seminary too. So then I study there and they pay my tuition fee and I earn my uh, living expenses as a as a day uh, like in like a cafeteria. Yeah. So that's how I manage. And on the, um, on the year 20, 20, 2022, I got married. So I bring down my wife. Okay. So that's my journey like before you get married after you get married it's a totally, totally different story like yeah you need to think when you're not married you yeah. can live on your friend's couch for two yeah. years yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work that well when you're married yeah so so how did you and candy meet surprisingly we met to facebook okay <laughs> did you friend request her first no who I, who who, who friend requests i used to i used to uh, i love uh videography okay so i used to take video uh, i used to record videos for in different places and i used to put them uh, put uh, maybe quotation maybe bible verse maybe some question that will make them think yeah so she, she kind of liked that video okay so that's the reason why she, she sent me a friend request then i accepted it then when i write my thesis then i found out that 
her grandfather was the first one who came to the United States in the year 1936 here in the United States wow. to study theology. So he was the first one who translated from English to a, to a dialect, the Bible. That's amazing. So then, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. So I really want to know how did he translate some of the word for my for my thesis. That's why I contacted her. Yeah. But while contacting her, like when you the conversation got longer. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> but then she was staying in Dubai. Less about yeah. theology <laughs> and translation. <laughs> uh, and then she was staying in Dubai, and she has a lot of questions because she grew up in uh main in the main city of India with Hindus with Muslims. She says a lot of questions, like she keeps on asking, like, do you think that the Muslim, uh, the Muslim, follow better than us? And I ask her why. She say, we, we eat pork, we don't eat pork. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The questions you got to work but, through. Yeah. Then I told her, do you know, do you know about the old covenant and the new covenant? So, right. I don't know. Then this brings me up a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the session started longer because of, she says a lot of questions. And I, I really like the way she asks things. Yeah. She think critical. Okay. At the same time, she think with a Christian, uh, Christian faith, even though she live in a, in a place where she's minority in her faith, but she still hold on to her faith. It's right. a very strong woman that I like. Yeah. So that's why we we keep on having conversation. That's how we end it. That's wonderful. It's it's interesting because you guys both actually come from this kind of strong heritage right. of faith, right? You with your grand your grandma and your grandpa, and her her grandfather, right? Or was a great grandfather. Yeah, no, no, no. Her grandfather. Yeah. Her grandfather. Okay, so her grandfather comes to the United States, uh, gets theologically educated, uh, and starts translating. Yeah. I mean, you guys both have these histories behind you. That's amazing, uh, and just a testament to you know faithful family structures and, uh, and what can come from that. Uh, that's that's really cool. So okay, how do you? Uh, so you guys get married, right? So you, did you get married in Dubai or where did that happen? We get married back in India. Back in India. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So now you're here. Yes. Right? Education behind you, I guess. You're done yeah. for now. Or Maybe you'll go back later. De depends on the ministry. Sure. Totally understand. So let's talk about that. So what does ministry look like now? So you move from uh, Louisville to Lexington, yes. right? And tell me, what is it? So you're, you're, what's your official title with the CKNB, the Central Kentucky Network of Baptists? Right now, uh, my primary my primary primary goal is to to evangelize the the Hindi speaking Hindu. Okay. From especially from India. Yeah. But in, in generally speaking, like the Southeast Asia group. And and if I can plant church, that's my goal. Okay. But depends on how fruitful I am, and be, and you, you already know that planting a church is not an easy thing. Yeah. It's not like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's that's part of my goal, and and staying here in Lexington for a few months, there there, there are different kind of challenges, because the Indian uh, Hindi speaking they're very different with the other Southeast Asia. Okay, that's what I've been uh, no noticing right now. Okay, like you know that here here in the United States, the highest earning in the city is India. Really? Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. And India, then after that, the Filipinos. Okay. Then it come down, and the white Americans are maybe around the six or seven. Okay. <laughs> I was really, really yeah. surprised you. Yeah. And yeah. I was reading that uh, that, that thing, and now I begin to understand that 
their motive of coming here in the United States is not number one religion. So when you try, try to have conversation on religious base, mm -hmm. it's really hard to have conversation because that is not their part of their objective and goals to be here in the United That's States. not why they came here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And back in India, the, the main issue is not does God exist? The main issue is which God do his will. Okay. So here now with the American culture, like the only time they were home is they want to be rest. Mm -hmm. They want to stay inside. But it, the 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 different with Indian context back in India, you, most of the Indians will usually come out of our home. So you have to, to drink chai or to drink tea. So you have conversation around the street. But here it is not. Okay. And with me and my wife, we're, we've been thinking like, let's go out, try to meet new people. We've been walking around the apartment. They they treat a stranger like, who is this couple? They come around in the evening or in the morning around our apartment. Okay. We don't even know. They're anything. suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's difficult to knock on the door. Right. Because we don't know when, what time do they, do they stay at big at home? Right. Okay. So what you're running into is that the, the people who have come here from India yeah. have adopted some of the American habits and, and mentality, which makes it difficult to evangelize them. Yeah. Part of it is true. Okay. Especially when I say the American context or let's say the American culture is like the, how they use their time. Yep. Like if we go to grocery, they only have a few times to, to do grocery, check the list, buy, go. Mm -hmm. So if you try to stop on that, the, have conversation in the grocery store, it's like you, you're wasting my time. Right. You're just wasting my time. You could end up frustrating someone. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So what are some of the challenges as far as helping someone go from um a hindu religious belief to christianity what are some of the hurdles that you run into so let's say you you let's say you get through you actually have someone that is interested in having the conversation right they're not frustrated with you and they're willing to listen right to the gospel what are some of the biggest challenges for someone coming from a hindu context to um accepting the gospel most of the thing that i hear from uh, someone who convert uh, is like their religions and family is very attached. Like once you become a Christian, means you need to leave behind not only your faith but even your family. It's a very hard thing for them to decide. Yeah. So if one wanted to become a Christian, it's it's a core decision that they need to make. Mm -hmm. Like they don't need to care about their family. They don't need to care about how their family think about him or her. So it's like separation from family not only from their previous faith so i think that is one one part that is really hard for them for them to decide and and s some of the person that i met here who were converted to christianity mm -hmm. mainly they're not with their family they're like students coming with, with, with the f1 visas who come here for their education okay and mostly from the south okay from the north yeah and when I say from the South, is because the South is the place where Christianity first came to India with to St. Thomas. Okay. So they're kind of exposed to Christianity in the South. Yeah. But in the North, they're not that. They're very radical Hindu. So it's much harder to reach out in the North than the South. Okay. So the North has more to lose, yeah. in, in a sense. In one way, yeah. Whereas the South, it might cost them a little less socially to become a Christian. I, I might be wrong in one way, but yeah, I think... They, because the Saudi are exposed to Christianity, mm -hmm. so there's a chance like they, they can somehow compromise. 
Okay. Gotcha. That, no, that makes sense. And so, um, I, I'll just be honest. I don't know that much about the Hindu belief system, right? Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about, is it, um, pantheistic or is it polytheistic? Um, and maybe help me and the listeners understand it a little bit better. Hinduism is really hard to understand in one way because it is more of a pantheistic. Okay. And everything can be God. God can be everything. Okay. But if you say that to them, then they will say there is only one God that we believe, the Brahman. Again, from that everything exists. So it's like sometimes it's, it, they speak in terms of there's a there's a greater God, mm -hmm. and from that everything exists. So there, some believe in pantheism. Some believe in pantheism, which is like one that how we believe Trinity. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's very hard to have conversations sometimes. Okay, and especially the very tricky about uh, tricky thing about Hinduism is they can accept any god. So until and unless if you ask the the cause to become Christian, it is easy to, for them to believe that oh I believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is part of God. So they can just bring it in, accept it, gotcha. that picture in their home. Right. So that's not the Christianity that I want to bring here. Right. Opinion, so. Right. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Right. Like forsaking all other yes. gods and idols and worshiping one God alone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And so Hinduism. So in Christianity, we have the, the creator creature distinction, yeah. right? Line between the two, they don't cross. But in Hinduism, there is some, uh, it is blurred, right? There's less of a line between the two. It, it is more like very hard to distinguish <laughs> differentiate is like uh you can be a creator in one way if you want to use that philosophy okay it, it can work okay but if you don't want to use it and make an argument and say that no this one creator god from there everything exists okay so then if you talk about your christian faith then do you mean that one they'll say no so the more i dig into hinduism and getting deeper the philosophy is is so so different from western philosophy right yeah so so now coming to to the west with western understanding of philosophy and trying to go back to the east and try to make understand from the western perspective philosophy to the east is is a very nonsense for them right okay it doesn't make sense sometimes right because for them sometimes logic is not the most important thing yeah it's more like there are many unlogical things they believe but so practical that's interesting so you can make a really good argument yes right for christianity why it's why it's logically true yeah but that doesn't really carry a lot of weight necessarily for them yes okay that's a struggle but you know what's interesting is so from my perspective i think that things here are shifting that way a little bit um because what i run into is well i mean what we see in our culture a lot right now is well that's my truth and your truth wow. right and even if both of those contradict they can both be true somehow right because it's my truth um or uh i've run into like teenagers you know i'm trying to evangelize them and they'll say well i don't believe in god then you know i'll say i'll quite question that why don't you believe in god well i don't feel that he's true or that he i don't feel that he exists I don't, I don't feel that, uh, that there's enough, right. For me to believe that and it's like, so everything is being based on how they feel about something instead of the, the arguments, right. Like the, the, uh, logic behind what we find in scripture, what we can see in, you know, creation science or whatever apologetics method you want to use. Um, that's interesting. So 
do you still see that um, it's it's that different there and here? Do you have you seen any shifts happening where you're running into some of that less binary arguments here? To be honest, uh, right now uh, it's a very short time to know things. Sure, yeah, that's a good point. It's like it's just one 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 and a half months. Right. So if I if I try to come make a conclusion with my one and a half months experience, it's like it's it's a total chaos. So yeah. And I really want to know how many generations have been living. They've been living here in the United States. It will matter a lot for me. Okay. And still try to uh, bring data for that, but it's not an easy easy data to collect. Right. Like for example, like you may meet one guy in a restaurant. Then if you have conversation, maybe he just stay here for six months, then the conversation might be easy. But what if what what about a person who work in a, who come here as a very educated because, in Indian the Indians usually have have three posts let's say three professional line here number one engineering it and medical lines okay so these three were very educated so the conversation is different again okay and like when a conversation is different you cannot simply jump into whatever you think is right like what if i'm not a science student if i talk about science with a science measure it's like i'm i will hit into a concrete wall yep and they will ask me a lot of questions about science and I won't be able to explain. So, yeah, it depends on the generation and their education also to have conversation with them. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You got to know your context, right? Yeah. Yeah, who you're talking to. Awesome. So, uh, what are you uh, what are you doing right now? What's your game plan? Because uh, like you said, you've only been here six weeks, right? Yeah. So, I'm sure you're still trying to get your feet on the ground. Um, but as far as initial strategy, you said you've been walking around trying to meet people uh, possibly church planting mm-hmm. um, uh, in the future, right? Um, what are what are some things that we could be praying for? Um, as you know, White Sulphur, you know the the church that I pastor, also are just our network um, as Baptists. Like, how can we help support what you're doing, you and Candy? Uh, that is a very good question to to raise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I've been thinking like I don't see any Indian culture here. Okay, when I see Indian culture, it's like. Uh, I even talk with my wife like why they don't have any chai chai like we have Indian grocery we have Indian restaurant we, but we don't have Indian chai here okay when I say Indian chai means like India is a place where everybody just went out to drink chai and they have conversation because most Indians want to talk okay so what about if we can make some chai chai like a chai we call it hotel big big in India like it's just an open space people come there to drink, have conversation with different kind of people. They love to talk, they can sit for hours. Yeah. So if we can bring that, that culture big here in Lexington, where many Indians were around, according to the data that we, we, we got, is 779 household this year. So what if they know that there is a culture like that, they come and come there to drink chai? Yeah. So I think that that is, a, it is like me not going there, it's me bringing in. I think, so are you going to open a chai shop? Yeah, that's what I've been. Thinking, that's what like, you're saying. Okay. That's what I've been trying trying to promote. Like, if it is possible, then maybe that that may be the most effective way. Yeah. So how many people stay here in Lexington? Yeah. So because it's it's like uh, North American they 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 move to different place for, as a missionary. Yeah. And they what did they do? They make coffee shop. Yep. <laughs> Why did they make coffee shop? Because they kind of know the culture. They mean because. Once you like something, mm-hmm. you keep on coming in. Mm-hmm. So I think that that they are brought up in that culture, 
that kind of environment if you can bring that in then who will not want to come okay so i think that will be the best place to have conversation not just go house by house right that's funny so if you can't find them <laughs> you'll draw them out right yes. to that central place yes where you can have conversations i love that yeah i love that so praying for uh to maybe to see how that comes together right yes. if that's a possibility resources i'm sure right a place to make that happen um any anything else prayer requests uh like for you personally or for candy or you know uh personally i really want to request about a thing that's been going back in our in our hometown okay right now uh more than that maybe i think it is 300 plus churches have been bound now because of the ethnic class okay and there uh, the the cookies on me we are the cookies on me and the other one is they're called maybe the general and the majority in our state they mostly belong to hindu okay and even our government is run by hindu extremists what we call bjp and the state is run by it and that's the central government is run by it too so our parents are not safe okay and even one of my uncle is shot dead because uh, one who was in the front line means uh, the village the village defense force was shot by a sniper. Was this recently? Yeah, I, I think it was uh, two weeks ago. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Then Man. Uh, two of my immediate cousins' uh, house were been burned down in the capital. They need to move to a different state. And many of them were displaced, more than uh, 40,000. And... I really wish that something good come out, not because they're a Hindu, mm -hmm. because we are a Christian, but I really want to make some reconciliation so that we can live in peace again. So that, uh, and I really want to see God work miraculously. Yeah. So that the non-believers can see how the believers react to their kind of uh, evil thoughts or let's say. Uh, their evil did yeah yeah what does the church do when it faces that kind of yeah. situation and we've been uh, we've been uh witnessing some miracles it's really wonderful because it, when i listen to uh some of your stories it give me goosebumps here here is our district yeah here is a district and here is a well, one district called where the muslim live and next is the hindu so they come and attack our district okay and one of the Muslim neighbor was uh, coming coming in the next morning and say to our, our people, say, you know, we were the people on front line last night with a white clothes. And our people were saying, we don't, we don't, we don't know because no one is there with white clothes last night. Yeah. But from far, we see there is a line of white clothes staying, staying in front of the line. So there's some miracle. And even when they, they, they like, they, we call it twist mortar bomb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mortars. Yeah, mortars. No, so when when they saw that kind of bomb, when when that when that landed to our people, it doesn't blast, but it landed to different places in blast. Okay. All this kind of uh, testimonies have been witnessed. So. Man, so there's like, there's warfare, but there's also some kind of spiritual yeah, element yeah. to what's happening over there. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's fascinating. Um, I uh, I will definitely be keeping that yeah. in prayer. Yeah. And that's uh, that's what I wanted to request and personally. Uh, Please keep on praying for us because we're still new in Lexington and being an intern here for one year, things are moving fast day by day. Yeah. And what if after this one year nothing come up? What should I do? Yeah. What should we do? Okay. So. Absolutely. 
uh, I just want the church to pray about it too. Yep, absolutely. So wisdom yeah. uh, for you and Candy as you're pursuing this ministry, uh, softened hearts for the people that you have conversations with, the God would be preparing that ground, right? For gospel seeds, um, praying for your uh, hometown, yeah. right? Your region back home with the, uh, the turmoil that's happening back there. We can keep all those things in prayer. And obviously, um, you know, any practical needs come up, we want you to tell us, right? <laughs> make make it aware to the churches in our in our network in our area. And we, I think, I mean, I'm super excited to have you here. So uh, I'm ready to rally behind whatever you want to do. Um, definitely looking forward to it. And uh, you know, I think we'll wrap up there if that's okay with the conversation. But hopefully, this isn't the last time I get to have you for a conversation. So if you're up for another one, uh, I think we would definitely do that. But uh, for our listeners out there, um, if anything, I think uh, Coombs' story is just an example of something that we've been talking about a lot that, um, you know, studying is so important. You pursued education to know the truth, right? To know the God that is, the God that lives, the the God that reigns and rules. He's the only one to serve. Um, and your passion for education is taking you kind of all over the world. And so that's a huge inspiration for me. And I hope that is for our listeners out there also to, uh, to keep on studying. So thank you for joining us today. Um, that is all, and we will see you next time.